I think as I've coached longer and gone through it a little bit, I think I maybe have a little greater understanding of just the challenge and the time it takes for development to happen and, and maybe a greater understanding and appreciation of the learning curve. Um, sometimes you just, as a coach, you got to ask yourself, you know, what you're asking this player to do. Do they really understand what you're asking them to do? You're listening to the Tap into College Golf podcast, where we provide an inside look at the world of college golf. College recruiting consultant Brandy Jackson shares her knowledge of college recruiting, plus interviews with some of the most accomplished coaches and players in college golf. If you are ready to tap into the best tips, stories, and insight, then you've come to the right place. Here's your host, Brandy Jackson. Welcome to this episode of Tap Into College Golf. I am, as always, because I always enjoy the chance to chat with um, the college coaches and get some insight, but um, got a great one on here with me today and excited just to kind of pick his brain a little bit and, and get some insight from him. Um, been there at the University of Wisconsin for 15 years now and really excited to have Coach Todd Erlin on here with me. Had to make sure to pronounce his last name correctly. Um, hopefully I didn't butcher that, um, but really excited to have you on here, Coach, and thanks for joining him. Uh, thanks for having me, Brandy. I look forward to it. And uh, Madison's been a great place. Yes. Well, you are from, um, you know, from that area, originally from the area or well, there in Wisconsin. Yeah. And kind of tell me a little bit about your background. I know some of it goes back to basketball and some D3 coaching. Kind of tell me a little bit about your progression into playing and, and coaching and everything. Yeah, actually, um, I am from, I, I'm, I'm actually home right now here at UW-Madison. So, I didn't go to school here, but I was born and raised right around the Madison area. So, um, I don't, a lot of us, not a lot of us get back to our home, home areas. Um, so I'm really fortunate there. I got a lot of families still in the area. Uh, you mentioned it kind of tied into some basketball, um, basketball background as well. And really that was kind of, uh, when I was, when I, when I grew up, you know, I, I played those two sports. I was a basketball player and I was a golfer and kind of had to make a decision heading into college. Was I going to be a basketball player? Or was I going to try to pursue college golf? And, um, I'm six foot seven and, uh, kind of had the perfect basketball build. And so it was, yeah. that's kind of my direction where I went. Um, love my college career, loved everything about it. And then got into coaching and, uh, my first exposure to coaching was when I was in grad school and um, I went to chiropractic college and I started helping out with a varsity basketball team. I wasn't the head coach or anything like that. I was just helping out while I was doing my graduates, graduate work, just loved every minute of it. So fast forward, finish up my chiropractic degree and then kind of had this desire to blend what I did as a chiropractor with taking care of student athletes very cool and I was hoping to coach and so I kind of had a little different different approach into it and different different avenue um went to the University of Wisconsin Eau Claire and approached my 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 college basketball coach and staff up there and that was kind of my introduction and that's where I got started and and I'll, I'll tell you what for any of the small college coaches out there um they know exactly what I'm talking about or what I'm about to say is you wear a lot of different hats when you coach in the small college 
Um, it's, you know, and so my, my assignment when I started at UW Clear was I coached basketball, I coached golf, I coached the, I coached men's basketball, the men's golf team. And I taught, I actually taught anatomical wow. kinesiology and taught in the kinesiology department, loved every minute of it. And, uh, that's the, the chiropractic piece kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah. Wasn't intentional, loved everything about what I did as a chiropractor, but just the coaching career kind of took off and loved my time with all of our students and all of our athletes and, and, uh, ended up having some Very success. Cool. And, and so after I did that for eight years and then I came down to, came down to Madison and, and was offered the job here as the head women's coach at the university of Wisconsin. So that was 2003. Um, so I'm actually, actually in my 17th year here now at Madison okay. this year. Okay. Yeah. So it was, it's been great. Been a great yeah. place. Yeah. That's awesome. That's probably one of the coolest things about starting this podcast. And it's why I like to hear, you know, all the coaches and how they got into what they're doing. Um, you know, which ones there's been a few who kind of knew early on, this is what I wanted to do. And, you know, when they were playing others who have playing backgrounds, um, you know, some who came from a golf instructor background, um, chiropractor would be a, a new one for sure. I don't that, think that would be a new uh, one. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely a new one that I don't know that there's going to be any other podcast, um, guests that, that are going to have that one, but that's, that's interesting. That's, um, you know, very, you, you yeah, know, very, very interesting. The only thing I'd add to that, it's, it's funny how our backgrounds kind of shape a lot of who we are and our philosophies and stuff. And so I joke with my players, they talk about, they, they talk about oh, schools getting long or whatever. And I start, I start kind of messing around with them. I'm like, you know, I went to nine years of college, right? <laughs> um, you know, and so between <laughs> undergraduate and graduate work and leave it, I'm like, I was there for nine years. Um, and then I taught obviously for another, yeah. for, for eight. And so that educational piece, I love, yeah. I love college. I love the education. I love the, the value of learning in school and that development that happens during all that time. And that's never really left me. It's, cool. it's a yeah. really big piece to, um, to, to kind of my coaching philosophy and what's really important to me and kind of how I, how I go about things. And just that, you know, I think my players, if you talk to players that have played for me over the years or current players, I think they'd all probably say, at least I hope they would that, uh, yeah, he challenged us. You know, we were challenged on the athletic side of things, but we were always really supported academically as well. And, um, not that, I mean, I think everybody we're in the college level, everybody values that, but, um, it's just always had a really special place in, in my growth and my development. And so, I don't know, it's just interesting. Your backgrounds really kind of shape a lot of who you are when, when you become oh, a professional. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. And, and it's true. Cause you don't, you don't get a lot of coaches who, you know, they went to college and, and whatnot, but from, you know, the true classroom side of things, you know, mm -hmm. they don't necessarily, you know, maybe appreciate it as much and then kind of appreciate the, well, yeah, so appreciate it, but just don't grasp that, what that was like. Cause a lot of us are so far removed from having actually been in college and, you know, and so have had that, like you said, at that D3 level of having to wear so many hats and what that, you know, does kind of give you that perspective. Cause I do think a lot of coaches, at the D1 level, he'll get a little bit better in terms of just getting to be the head coach that you know, sometimes they forget, kind of maybe forget or in some cases maybe lose sight of just what that balance is like 
And I think it's easy sometimes to put it on the kids that, well, you're just not, you know, managing your time well, and you're just not doing all that, how tough that really is and what that, you know, how important that educational piece is and not. Yeah, for sure. Yep. For sure. Great points. Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, you know, let's, um, you know, just tell me a little bit about some of the things kind of early on that you did maybe, you know, struggle with or some of the hurdles, um, you know, just from uh, going from that D3 level of coaching and kind of learning, you know, learning that to go into a bigger D1 program. What were maybe some of the things you wish you would have known or some of the hurdles you had to um, to kind of get over, for, especially from that kind of adjustment or just even when you first got into coaching period? Um, what were some you of know, those kind of early on? Yeah, you know, I, the the jump the the jump from a talent perspective from division three to division one certainly was different um and yet you know there's so much overlap in divisions um you know and and so it's one of those things where if i go back to my division three days at uw Claire, i mean we we were really fortunate i had some great teams we had a, i had a great run of a bunch of top four finishes and actually won one national championship nice um so I was working with super talented players and really committed. And one of the things that I've always just, that I, that I genuinely believe even to this day, um, you know, this, this, the experience that my players have at Wisconsin is incredibly important to them, but it's no more important than what it was to my players that played for me at UW-Eau Claire. Yeah. Um, they're at, different levels, but making sure that they have a really valuable, meaningful developmental experience was just as important. And, and so I thought those things were something that, that I kind of thought there were some similarities, um, things that I kind of wish I was better at. I mean, I think the things, um, I think it's really easy when I, when I reflect back as a young coach, I think it was really easy, and I, I you find yourself maybe falling into that trap even a little bit now. That um, when when something isn't going well or a player isn't progressing the way you want them want them to, it's really easy just to fall into this trap of just making this assumption that this this kid just doesn't care or just isn't working yeah. hard enough yeah. or isn't just managing it. And I don't. I maybe have a little greater understanding of just the challenge and the time it takes for development to happen and, and maybe a greater understanding and appreciation of the learning curve. Um, sometimes you just, as a coach, you got to ask yourself, you know, what you're asking this player to do. Do they really understand what you're asking them to do? Yeah. You know, have you, have you communicated it clearly enough? Um, you know, kids, kids make mistakes sometimes maybe they just aren't working hard enough, but that's probably to me, like the last thing you should go to. <laughs> and it's, yeah, no, first, I, I agree. I, I yeah, you should kind of first, yeah. you should kind of ask yourself like, okay, am I, what am I asking them to do? Is it realistic? And yeah. um, do they really understand it? And then if it is realistic and they do understand it, maybe they're working really hard at it. It's just the improvement is it's slow sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes there's some steps, some bumps in the road along the way, but they're making progress and, I don't know. I just think maybe when I look back at when I was younger, not super patient and, yeah. you know, well, I think maybe that's a big piece to it. 
one, yes. one thing that jumps to my mind. Yeah. Well, I, I get that. Um, within it just, you, it kind of something I was just talking about myself not too long ago within my business. I catch myself doing that because when you have kids who, who kind of have it together and they're kind of doing everything right. And then you see one who doesn't for me, from a consulting perspective, sometimes the first thing I think is, well, they just don't want it as much or they don't, you know, they don't care as much because this, you know, this player over here is calling me and she's getting emails done and she's doing all this. And I catch myself sometimes doing the same thing of saying, well, because this what you know, this person's not doing it kind of, you know, by, by the book, you don't want to make that first assumption to be, well, she just doesn't care as much or she doesn't want it as much. Maybe, you know, she needs a little bit more help or needs more encouragement or just doesn't get it. And I mean, it's like you said, there are cases where, you know, that is the case and there are ones. And unfortunately for me, I don't get to spend a ton of one-on-one time with my players. Mine's a lot of remote stuff. Um, but I've, for me, I've tried to make more of an effort as I've gotten into doing this longer of, you know, like you said, just trying to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and not go straight to that, you know, well, you don't care or, you know, you don't want to work hard and then start to kind yeah, of look just, a little deeper to, to see what else might be there because, you know, it's easy to just, you know, to forget that it kind of is our role to, to be, you know, the mentor and the, the, you know, the person that kind of helps him get better as opposed to just letting them continue to do the same things they're doing just because you may think they don't care, I guess. Yeah. I just, I think, I think just as, as you, as I've gotten a little older and just coached a little longer, um, I just think I've probably done a little bit better job of trying to find and identify that, boy, maybe I just need to find a new way or yeah, maybe this is, everything is going just fine. It's just, it's taking time and progress is happening. And how do you, how do you convince the player that they're, they're still doing well when maybe they haven't quite seen the results they're looking for um, that that they hope to, and they haven't reached that end goal yet. Um, But I know when I was young, it was just, it's really easy just to go to that, you know, oh, you just don't care. You just aren't working hard enough and you just don't have it figured out and just, I don't know, this, maybe just a little more patience at times. And um, I don't know, there's just different ways. And I think as you get older as well, you know, the longer I've coached versus when I was younger, you find new ways to reach players and different ways to reach, reach, reach your team. Um, When you're young, a lot of it is just instantly like just iron fist intimidation and you're just going to force it on them and, so much work. of what you did, especially <laughs> if you were a player, you know, I think I do see it with some of the younger, you know, younger coaches that, again, I get to observe so much of it just from an outsider's perspective, but a lot of them kind of come to me and, and fit me a lot of times. But, you know, it's like you said, yeah, I think they either go straight to the, the disciplinary route or they just want players that were like them. And, you know, you relate to a player who's a lot like you, but at the same time, that's not not always the the best thing, I guess, um, because you, know, you got to learn how to adapt to different types of players in different ways. And I think early on, I feel like you try to recruit players who kind of resemble your style of playing. And then when you don't get that, mm-hmm. you know, just learning how to look at them, you know, in a different way and not for sure, you know, and, and starting to understand that, you know, you're just probably not going to see things the same way. And it's a little more of your job as the coach to see it their way instead of them always, you know, instead of trying to get them to always see it your way, I guess. Yep. Yep. No, for yeah. sure. It's just um great question though. I mean, it's kind of, it's hard to reflect back on some of that sometimes and, and to think about some of that. Um, but you also, when you, when you are able to do it, you certainly you gain some perspective and 
um, kind of learn a little bit about what you're doing well and how, how you can maybe grow and improve a little bit. Yes. Yes. Well, this kind of will segue into that a little bit about, you know, in, in doing that with the recruiting and talking about trying to find, you know, maybe trying to weed out some of those players that, again, like we talked about, that aren't, you know, that are never probably gonna work hard enough or really truly just don't want it or just don't care. Um, you know, what are some things when you're looking at some of the junior players that help you kind of maybe distinguish between the two so that you don't maybe end up with a player like that, that you're just never going to be able to work with? Um, what are some things that maybe you see just when you're out recruiting or even through just communication? Are there characteristics on either side, you know, ones that just say, hey, you know, I know this kid kind of has that, not just the physical part, but talk about all those intangibles. You know, what are some things you see that, that are either the red flags that, you know, they don't have it or maybe some things that stand out that just make you see that that kid's, you know, got so much of what it's going to take to be successful at the, the college level? Yeah, it's funny. It's, you know, the, the, the physical skill piece. I mean, it's the first thing we try to evaluate, right? You go out and you watch mm-hmm. and, you, and you look at it. And yet it's, in all honesty, it's the easiest piece to evaluate. Um, yeah. You know, you just see it right away. And oftentimes it just kind of jumps out at you. And, um, but then those intangibles that you, that you mentioned, they take a little time. And mm-hmm. And you see things out on the golf course. You see things in, 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 the, in, in the, the correspondence you have. And when you do have some, some direct con- conversations with them, you kind of learn some things. Um, you know, to me, um, the things that I kind of like to just get a sense that this is going to be a strength of a player. And you just – there's little things that happen that would – steer you towards like I think this is going to be a positive trait for them and um, I think I think the kids that really are successful they're 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 really persistent um, they just uh, they, they don't get kind of knocked down easily without kind of getting back and going after it. and they just they certainly never kind of stay down and you know you see those you see mistakes and bumps along the way and around a golf if you're watching them play, just never not seeing it. Okay. Yeah. And, and we all know that, but how players respond to those moments, I think are kind of key traits. Um, I think, I think when you get to college, there's, there, there is just an independence and a drive that the best players have and the, the ones that kind of separate themselves they they have this they have this internal drive they have this self motivation they have this independence of just um, they never really kind of settle and yeah. I, I think that that's kind of a really important trait of of what I see from from the the students when they get to school and they really have success they just they're never really com- they're never really satisfied they just don't have this complacency and I think. Um, when you have, when you have, when you see those traits in players, and you see those traits, and you sense those traits in visits or conversations and things, um, you, you tend to feel really positive about it. You feel really positive about their potential and their opportunity that's in front of them. And yes. I think that's kind of what you're trying to evaluate. You're just trying to evaluate 
what's the upside and what's the opportunity in front of them and their potential. And I think when you see some of those traits, um, it's not the absence of making mistakes. That that's, that's part of it. It's, it's a lot more of how they respond to those moments, how you handle those moments and what are the, what, what type of drive do you sense and what type of independence do you sense? Yeah. I love, I love all that. And I love that. I kind of like the fact that it's hard to describe because I think that's what is kind of like what I fight with the parents when they ask, well, why did this player over this player, my daughter plays better, you know, her scores are better. And, you know, when you've, and I, again, haven't been in the coaching business or whatever, but you, you kind of do see those things and it's hard to sometimes describe why you see it in one player and you maybe don't in another, even if their scores at the end of the day might've been a little bit better um, or on paper might look a little bit better. Um, you know, it's that gut feeling we talk about. And I think there are some, like I said, some similarities that you can, you know, kind of look across the board and then see with those players. But that's what's always hard about the recruiting process, I think, is is trying to explain, you know, sometimes to parents or players why this player over another one. Um, well, you, you know, and, and you see, you know, sometimes, sometimes, Randy, you know, you see, parents will look at an overall resume or people look at a resume. And I mean, we're sitting in the office looking at similar resumes, right? And you sit there and you maybe see a pattern of scores or a person sees a pattern of scores. Um, you know what? Those scores are only completely relevant. There's only a they, – they become more relevant when all of those comparisons are on the exact same golf course in the exact same conditions on the exact same day. True, yeah. But if they're yeah. not – then how much, I mean, there's certain, there's certainly part of it, right? There's part of the story, but they're not the entire story. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and, and so that's kind of where that piece gets really interesting and difficult to manage sometimes. And then the other thing that, the other thing that um, I would just share from a coaching perspective is, just having done it for as many years as I have now, I can only, I can share so many countless stories where I know there's a really good player out there or somebody that is being actively recruited or, you know, that schools really like, and you're just, you know, there's a talent there. And every time I went and watched her play, she played poorly. Yeah. And you look at it and you're like, gosh, I just don't understand. It's just like, <laughs> but so if, if you see her play a few times and if you, if she hasn't played well, and then I'll tell you what, so many of those situations, that player, you know, I can think of moments where I was right or yeah. accurate. I should say not right. Maybe that's the wrong way to phrase it, but maybe accurate. And then I can think of a countless situations where it's like, Oh my gosh, did I miss that one? She played bad in front of me, but now I see, and now she's in college and she's just kicking my butt every time yeah. I see. Yes. Her. Yeah. You I know? think I I feel like every coach, yeah, probably at least has a has a few of those. Um, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm and sure then I've seen the many. other stories where every time I've gone and watched a player play, they just play awesome, and they play fantastic. And you kind of have to trust what you see when you get the opportunities to be around them. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Again, it's it's what you know with the changes changing in the rules and stuff. It's kind of giving you a little less time to get to know the players to a degree. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, which, you know, obviously a lot of us, um, you know, in trying to do this and trying to find the right fit, I love that they shifted recruiting back a little bit later and, you know, trying to give the players a little bit more time and not feel so rushed. But then instead you kind of feel a little rushed in just a shorter time period, I feel like. Um, but, you know, it does kind of keep you from maybe having as many opportunities to do that and, and get to know them and, and see, like, like I said, seeing some of the um, – um, you know, just seeing some of the the differences in, um, you know, in their games and their personalities and those kinds of things. Um, yeah, it, it, you it's, know, it's you know, you know, it, I think it's these hard recruiting to see rules. I I know this isn't where this question is going, but um, I think these recruiting rules, like kind of how they they've changed, they've slowed down the process. Um, I I think this year, like this current cycle everybody feels really rushed for, for sure because everybody is seeing, okay, the visits were slowed down. We've had to move them back, but everybody still is trying to make this decision according to the old timeline. We're still feel yes. like just innately yes. we have to decide early in our junior year. Yes. Well, well I just I, had that conversation last night. Yep. yep. I think the intent of what's happening is we're going to slow down the, the process of like the visits and when you can start to have communication on it. But then the next step is people have to be comfortable waiting to make their decisions next summer or right before their senior year. And, and if that happens, if it actually someday transitions to that timeline, um, now all of a sudden we still have plenty of time to evaluate and get to know the players and the players get to know us. And, um, but right now, everybody's still the in visit timelines time and communication, yep. but the decision making is still trying to happen in the old time frame. Yes. <laughs> and they just yes, have a It's funny. Yet. Yes. Yep. Like I said, I had, I literally, it kind of almost came to mind last night during when I was talking to a player, to a parent, to some parents of, you're talking about her daughter and, and feels, you know, she, she feels kind of stressed and everything. I was like, she's got to understand that what she saw of the years ahead of her is not the process she's in right now that it's, no, not, it's you know, not. different. It's, it's, it's a different kind of kind of stress and rush because like I said, it's a little more condensed in a way, but it's not, it's not the same process that all the girls ahead of her went through. And it is yeah. new for me, you know, it's new for, you know, the coaches It's new for everybody, um, you know, to go through this in a, a different way of how it's going to be and trying to make those adjustments and not, you know, not trying to base it off of how the process used to be, but yet not, you know, not missing out. Assuming no more adjustments on part of the NCA, assuming no more changes, it'll be really fascinating to see kind of what this timeline and this field looks like in two, three years. Yes. It'd just be interesting to see if people have adjusted or if, and, and if it's, if it's moved and altered or if it just is still, the same feel of what it is right now. It's like the visits are condensed and the windows are condensed, mm-hmm. but everybody's still trying to decide first part of their junior year. I don't know. Yeah. Time will tell, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And that's, that's what I keep having to tell parents who, you know, want me to kind of predict the future and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, I just don't, you know, this is a whole new process to this. I can't, I don't know. You know, some coaches are going to do it one way. Some are going to do it a different way. Um, but I can't use much of my past, 10 years almost of doing this to really tell you what the process is going to be like right now, because it's a, you know, it's, there's a lot of very similar, similar timelines and things to it, but it's such a different timeline process now with the recruiting to just not know how it's going to play out. And, and it's been, you know, definitely been a a little different process this time, which like I said, 
I love that it's a little bit later. Um, that was huge. I mean, I'm glad they did that. It just definitely feels a little, a little more crammed in and just a little um, less time to kind of get to know the coaches and to maybe go on the visits you want to go on and do it in a little more timely manner. Cause man, these kids seem so stressed out as juniors in high school and take trying to take the ACT and the SATs and play some mm-hmm. tournaments, high school golf. Mm-hmm. I've got some that are so stressed trying to, you know, balance it all. Um, and just trying mm-hmm. to relax a little bit. Um, oh, for sure. Sometimes. So, yeah, no, for sure. Well then, I mean, that we're talking about a little bit with kind of high school kids. Tell me a little bit that you kind of see, um, got a couple more questions here for us to go over, yeah. but tell me what you kind of see with, you know, the, the college athletes and what they struggle with the most um, and what you see, you know, with some of the hardest transitions for them when they get there. Um, I mean, we know some of the obvious ones, obviously the time management, those things, but anything stand out that, that you really see some of the college athletes kind of struggle with um, or maybe the, again, there's some of those traits that, that help them be a little bit more successful um, at the college level. Um, what are some things you see on your end and in your, you know, 15 years there at Wisconsin, or we said almost 17 years now, I guess, there at Wisconsin. Well, I think, I think, like I mentioned before, I think that that persistence and that independence are some traits that really serve them, serve them really well once they get to school. Um, And just that, that drive, they, they know when they come to school, it's going to be different. They, they expect it. They understand it. I just don't think that they ever really know just how different. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And, um, I, I think that that's always kind of an interesting piece. Um, I also think, I think the fall for a college golfer is really an interesting time and a challenging time when they come to school as a freshman. Um, mm-hmm. It's just uh, everything starts right away really fast early. <clears throat> and um, it can, it can be overwhelming at times, you know, for some of, for some of the, for some of the new students. Um, but uh, it, it's funny, you know, they, they always manage it. They're super, they're super talented. They're very skilled. Um, they don't know just how good a lot of their skill sets are sometimes. It's just, you know, it's who they are. And, yeah, uh, yeah. but in the grand scheme of comparing them to, to other students, part of what's separated them are these skill sets and these talents in a lot of cases. So they end up doing a really good job most of the time. Um, you know, here's, I think, I think one of the things that I think is really interesting from a family perspective and then also with a student, you know, just both, maybe this is a little advice for, for both groups, um, is that, uh, um, they're, 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 they're going to be challenged when they get to school and their classes are going to challenge them and the students they're competing against in their classrooms are going to challenge them. Um, Their teammates are going to challenge them. The coaches are going to challenge them. Just the process, the qualifying process and making the lineup and all of that is going to be challenged. Um, But just because they aren't finding it easy doesn't mean there's something wrong. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's just sometimes the very fact that they're being pushed and challenged and that they're, they're having some, some bumps in the road along the way and things like that. um, That's the very process that they're supposed to be going through. And that's the very process. That's the growth that's supposed to happen. Yeah. And I think a lot of times the, 
the mistake that families make or that parents make is that they listen and they just commiserate with them. And they easily find excuses or make the assumption that something has to be wrong. Yeah. And there maybe isn't anything wrong. It's just part of it. Yeah. It's just new and different and uncomfortable. Yeah. And if you can help them navigate it and help your students, um, you know, know where to go to just go and search out assistance and search out help and get some questions answered and just sometimes kick them back into the mix and say, just, you know, keep working, just keep grinding away and keep practicing and keep, you know, trying to make yourself better every day. And, and that's kind of that process and part of that learning experience. So I don't, I don't know if that, is really what you were asking or yeah, getting at. Yeah. But I, I think that that's, I think that sometimes that's a big piece to it. And I think when students expect that and understand that, and when families back home, you know, their son or daughter calls them up and they start talking about all of these things and this happens or this happens. And yeah, maybe that's just normal. Yeah. Maybe that's just yeah. part of the process of, yep. It's, it's getting better. Force, it's, yeah. it's going to force you to elevate. Yes. And yeah. um, that's all right sometimes. Yeah, that's, it's, it's so true. And I think it is what, it's like you said, a lot of them just don't expect how hard it's going to be. I think they think it is going to be fun. It's going to be tons of fun and college is going to be awesome. But I don't think a lot of them realize how, you know, you think you're finding the right fit because it's going to make it easier. But to be honest, usually when you find the right fit, it actually probably makes it tougher because it's, it's then just going to bring out the things that you need to do better at, um, whether it's academically or, you know, on the golf course. And, and then you're there with some players who it might be a little bit easier for, at least to start with, it's easier. But then it's, it's really interesting to see a couple of my girls this past year, um, one that's here kind of close by who just watching her freshman year um, and then how it went from the start to the finish and the difference in the, the way she felt with the other girls on the team and, and how she thought it was so much easier for them and you know, so hard for her and she had to do all this extra stuff. And, and you know, it just was such an eye-opening experience to see um, to see that and it's kind of reminded me back when some of us first got out on tour and we looked at each other, some of us that were rookies, um, we joke about it now. We thought everybody else had it all together and, you know, that everybody else kind of knew what they were doing. And we all got to dinner one night, we were all like, do you just feel totally like lost and <laughs> don't know what's going on? And everybody was like, yeah, but I thought that like you had, you know, and it was just funny. It kind of reminded me of that. It's like rookies on tour that, you know, you think you're the only one who's making mistakes or who's having a hard time and not playing well and that, you know, everybody else has just got it together. And then it, it just kind of reminded me of, of that experience. And, you know, it, like I said, it is, it's, it's going to be challenging. And I think a lot of them just don't quite realize sometimes just how hard it is and, and where that balance is, it, of, you know, having to, to push yourself. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like, to me, to me, one of the traits of a great program um, and like the, the elite, the really good programs is that the program itself develops players. And, and I, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but I, I think what I mean by that is that it's like the process, the depth, mm-hmm. um, the competition, 
the accountability that's just consistently required and demanded across the board from all of the players. Yeah. When those things are inherent in a program, like as a head coach, I don't have to deal with a lot of one-offs all the time and dealing with special circumstances. It's like, listen, this is, this is the consistency of an established, successful, quality program. Yeah. And these are expectations that are communicated. And I think those are things that are really consistent with great programs. And that by that, that's what I mean when I say the program develops players. Yeah. But yeah. The only way that that happens is with accountability and with competition and with, you know, and yet the players have to trust it and they have to see it consistently and they have to know those expectations. And when that happens, um, there's challenges along the way. It's not always easy, but it's fair and it's mm-hmm. respectful and they grow. They grow as people, they grow as young students, student athletes, um, and they just, it's, it's, it, they just grow as people overall. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do. I like that. The, you know, what you said, the program itself develops players, I think is, is, is very interesting, especially cause it's, it's hard when you've got a, you know, you you see it from having been on the basketball side of things, the difference in a team atmosphere and then a individual slash team atmosphere, how different that is sure. to have to try to see everybody individually, but at the same time, not so individually that they get treated differently to where it just creates kind of disconnect and, and not the synergy that everybody's held to the same standard and to the same expectations. Um, but yet knowing that they are individually different golfers and, you know, it's, it's a different type of team environment and what you get with basketball where what one person does, you know, on the court truly can affect the next person. And there's gotta be that, that team, you know, that, you've got to really be in sync when you're on the golf course and, and have some things that kind of play off of each other. Whereas, you know, your golf game is, is really kind of your golf game and, you know, yeah. it's totally different from the other player and what you do on the golf course doesn't, you know, doesn't change what the other players do necessarily and trying to create that. And you said that, that accountability across the board, but yet it being individual players that are coming together as a team is such a unique yeah. thing for coaches for sure. Yep. For sure. Well, let's maybe change it up a little bit and let's talk about something a little bit lighter subject maybe than all there of the, the struggles like and all that. Yes. Um, this is always one of my funnest, uh, funnest, I guess, funnest a word. Um, <laughs> one of my most fun, I think the word funniest story. And my sister, if she listens to this or my mom loves to correct my grammar. So I'm going to hear that one. Um, but what is, this is one of my most fun parts of the podcast is hearing the coaches kind of funniest stories. That's a lot of fun, funnest in there. Um, but you know, what's something that, you know, through your time, sometimes it's more than one story. Sometimes it's a recurring thing that happens every year. Been all different ones. I've had some that has been a a recruiting experience with another coach, but is there one story that stands out or something that stands Mm -hmm. out? That's just really been, um, or maybe like I said, it's even just a, uh, a, a trend or, you know, something that y'all do on a, a ritual kind of basis. It's just fun or, or just a really funny moment that, that kind of stands out to you. Nah, we're super boring. <laughs> yeah, nah, we don't, we don't have any of those types of no stories. Fun, like I said, um, you know, they, yeah, no, we don't, we don't, we don't do any of that. Um, <laughs> you know, goodness, boy, that's a hard question. They're, uh, we, we do have a great relationship as coaches and then with your teams and stuff for yeah. sure. And, and, and you, 
you see all these different sides of things and you get to know people personally. And so you certainly do, do see that those are, those are a lot of fun. Um, single reward or kind of like funny or even the situations. Funny or what, if it goes into rewarding as well. We, there's kind of two questions in that, I guess, too. So either one or if they well, I don't, I don't mind making fun of myself. Um, it's like you meant, you mentioned that, um, uh, one of my early years coaching at Wisconsin, I, I'm, I'll always remember, like I said, I don't mind making fun of myself a little bit. Um, we, we were at a U.S. Junior Girls, and there was a, at this particular golf course, there was a, there was a pretty a hillside that a lot of coaches, you, you could sit and you could watch a ton of play. It was just uh, the holes kind of worked through it, and you got a chance to see a par three, and you got to see some wedges on a par five coming the other way, and you got to see people work up around a green on a par four. And that, it was just a, a, a really great spot. And, um, all the coaches, we everybody gets this, you know, it's this battle to see who can come up with the best stool, right? Yeah. And uh, so it's like, oh, that's a cool stool. Oh, look at that one. And so we kind of all like it's this funny joke of like how the stool is in the 36 old U.S. junior girls it's out there. So, anyways, I've got this stool that I'm sitting there, and I was just a couple of years in, so you're kind of still worried about what people think. And yeah, I'll I'll be darned if I wasn't sitting on the chair and the darn thing just crashed oh, underneath no. me. Oh yeah. <laughs> Crash right down. There's 15 coaches sitting around all looking at me and I oh, have no goodness. doubt. I don't remember the people, but I have no doubt sitting in that group were probably some of the greats of the game and hall of fame coaches. And yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm a big guy, but I'm not that big. I mean, come on, give me a break. Yeah. Here. Oh, that's um, funny. That's funny. I don't know. So I still well, get Especially when stuff like that happens. It totally out of your control. You didn't even, you know, it wasn't even a clumsy moment or something. Those, I, um, I still get, I still get, I still get teased about that a little bit from time yeah. to time. Um, but that was, yeah. I don't know. That's kind of a dumb story, but no, no. it's one, it's one that kind of jumps into my mind. And um, yeah. the biggest, the biggest things that are a lot of fun, it's a ton of fun when we get off the golf course and away from it, you just get to know each other as people and you get a yeah. chance to see that. And so those are really cool moments. And, um, it's a great group, ton of respect and a ton of enjoyment over the years with all of our colleagues and people uh, yeah. when we're out there recruiting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know. And that's part of, like I said, wanting to, to start this podcast was to, to kind of show, you know, all sides of college golf and that it's, you know, it's not always fun and it's not always the, you know, the teams are just what you see kind of like the, the, the social media perceptive, you know, perception of what you see on social media where the, you know, teams aren't always going to get along and, you know, things aren't always going to be great, but you know, when you really do, have some of the, the the teams and the environments and the coaches who really are all in, you know, there are those environments that, you know, are, are really good and are going to have their moments and their, their ups and their downs. And there's going to be a little bit of, you know, drama, whether it's, you know, family situations or whether it's breakups and those kinds of things, but learn how to, to overcome those and do it together as a team and, and, and be on the same page that there are so many of those scenarios out there. Um, 
you know, and, and just, and then it, you know, how much fun it can be and, and how rewarding and then, you know, the ups and the downs just all kind of come together and, and are all worth it. Um, I've got, I've got a good, I've got a good coaching one that I still get teased okay. about from the veteran big 10 coaches. So we have the, we have the big 10 championships up at, uh, it was up in Michigan one year and this was, Randy, this was 15 years ago. I mean, this was a yeah. long time ago. Um, hey, I'm pretty sure I was and, already out of college 15 years ago. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, we were all still traveling in the 15 passenger vans for the most part. Yep. And that's how oh, everybody yeah. was getting around. And I had this great idea where we were going to take one of those coach buses over there, you know, and ride in style, right? Ride in yeah. comfort. And, uh, got it arranged and set up and the company sends this bus and it comes to pick us up at the, uh, at our, at our meeting place. And I'm telling you, it's one of these casino buses that are taking people to casinos. I mean, it's like the stage yeah. coach painted on the side and all these graphics and it was purple. And it was just, I was, I mean, I just couldn't believe it when I saw it. It was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So fast forward to the tournament practice round grade, bad weather comes in and it's going to be just, and we actually ended up having such bad weather. We lost the final round and it was maybe as cold as I've ever been on a golf course, but that's kind of irrelevant. But the Michigan golf course, their 18th hole has a, um, it's a, it's a long par four. It's kind of difficult. There's hazard down there short of the green. It plays slow, you know, it just takes some time to, to play the hole. And so there's always a backup and we were worried about how cold it was going to be. And so the coaches were sitting around in the meeting the night before we had called and, Todd's got this super cool bus and I'm sure we can get his bus driver to go up and park it. There's park a, it. Uh, park it up along the fairway, up along the tee box and the players, when they're in this two or three group backup, they can, they can jump on the bus and use it as a warming area. Yeah. And so now not only do I have this bus, that's like the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. But now we're going to park it right next to the 18th tee box at the Big Ten Championships <laughs> so that the players had a place to jump on and stay warm and all this other stuff. Yeah. It, it worked out great. But the, the, the coaches that have been around for a long time in the league, oh, they still talk about they my bus. Yeah. They yeah. still talk about my bus that we parked up there. And then the kicker was our bus driver at the time who came along. Anybody that stepped on his bus had to sign his book, give him an autograph. Oh yeah, and, he, and this was like the ongoing thing every team he ever took. So for the entire championship, every player that's ran through there had to sign Bruce's book, that's and cool. so the players all had to sign it. And they were going through it and everything. So yeah, we had this big running bus that just kept yeah. going the whole day up along the 18th tee box up at the University of Michigan's golf course. Uh, hey, it sounds like it <laughs> turned out to be a pretty good uh, idea to take that it, thing. Yeah, it, yeah, it ended up working out all right, but. You where still get our time from. Oh yeah. Where'd yeah. this thing come from? Oh, that's Wisconsin's <laughs> bus. <laughs> hey, like I said, they um, <laughs> appreciate it when they needed it. So that's uh, time. Times have changed. Now we're all in sprinter vans. Oh goodness. They, they definitely have. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember the <laughs> passenger rental vans every, every trip and everything. Yeah. And never, never got to experience the, the decked out sprinter vans. We never did. We had an old, we actually had an old at Furman. We had an old van that was was there, was donated, but it was already on its side when I got there. So I was <laughs> between the old one that was donated. That was your true like old school like um, 
they're not the old school style sprinter vans. Um, we did actually have one of those, and I think one of the few teams who had it back then. But we didn't. It was like I said, it was it had been retired when I got there. <laughs> the sixteen passenger um, rental vans every time, and then oh yeah, whatnot. Oh yeah, that uh, times have definitely changed for sure. And we, we, we still, we still subscribe to every road trip. We have to have at least one U-turn as well. So we still subscribe to that. I've done a really nice job throughout my career of making sure that the tradition is honored every trip too. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, that's a good tradition. Yeah. A little superstition maybe too. <laughs> it, it just kind of seems like inevitably we always miss one and have to make a U-turn. And yeah. The girls are like, oh, trip's complete. Coach has got yeah. a U-turn in. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, see that, that is, that's the stuff that, that I love. I love to hear about because I'm so far removed <laughs> from college golf. It takes me back to, to all those, like you said, just the, the fun times and the, you know, what, what it truly is. Well, not maybe U-turns and buses isn't what it truly is about playing college golf, but the, the <laughs> memories like that, that you do remember and not necessarily the, the bad. For sure. Yeah, for sure. You forget about the bad holes. It's, it's the yes. relationships and the experiences that you remember. For sure. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, let's, um, let's kind of wrap this up a little bit. I have two questions that I like to ask every, um, every coach yeah. as we do kind of wrap this up. Um, love, like I said, love hearing the, the fun, fun stories and the, like I said, the fun side to, you know, to the college golf, but two things, um, kind of wrap it up with one and then I'll keep you online for a little bit after to talk about, um, favorite drill, which is a, a new segment that I have, but okay, cool. kind of wrap this, um, this episode up is, you know, it's the title of the episode, the, the podcast is tap into college golf. So I always like to find out from coaches, you know, when you've got a player who has that really short putt on the last hole to win a big event, um, you know, and you're there coaching them, whether you're on the green with them, or maybe you're walking up the fairway and then they're going, you know, what's something that you, it, this has been such interesting responses. And even the questions a coach has asked about the scenario, um, what, um, you know, what's been, and what would be, you know, your advice to that player that, like I said, this guy, you know, maybe not necessarily tap in, but something that has a little bit of, um, you know, three footer, four footer or so that they need to make to win a big tournament. What, what are you going to tell them or not tell them maybe um, when you, you get put in that situation? Um, you know, not having heard what everybody else's responses over the, over the times that you've talked to other coaches, what their responses were. Um, maybe I need to make sure I listen to all their, their responses. might learn something. Um, I'm willing to bet a lot of them have kind of said, um, a lot of it's going to be about consistency <clears throat> and just staying to what's got them there in that, in that time in the first place. Um, you know, yeah. if I'm, if I'm there with that player, um, and a lot of times we are when the player's getting down to that end and they're feeling good about things or it's, it's gone well and they're getting into that position, you kind of, you kind of know. And so you're getting there just to be there to support and answer any questions, or if there's any indecision on a play or some management decision, you can kind of help a little bit. Um, but I think kind of how I've always seen it play out is that if the player is into that spot, they have been doing some things really well along the way. And they have probably been managing their stress levels. Um, They're clearly hitting good shots, right? But they've been managing their stress levels. They've been staying kind of present and in the moment. And they've been staying pretty patient and playing to their strengths. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're there at that moment. And so 
to all of a sudden get out of that with one putt to go in your scenario um, is just something if you can help them stay there and stay committed to their routine and walk in that last hole with them, you know, still keeping it calm and still trying to keep it somewhat relaxed and yeah. um, not adding tension to the moment. Um, I think that all helps. I think that's kind of the biggest piece to it. It's just, they clearly have been doing some things really positively. That's why they're in that spot. That's why they're in that yeah. moment. And those, those pieces, they just need to finish that out. They need to just stay there and keep going and stay committed to that routine and process and not rush it or force it or try to do anything along those lines. Yeah, I, I like that. And, and it's like you said, just trying sometimes not saying anything is, is the best thing because as soon as you acknowledge it, then that, you know, then makes the, the acknowledgement that this is a bigger deal as opposed to, you know, we talk about with drills and different things, which is what like I said, what I'll ask you about here in a little bit. But, um, you know, the more emphasis you put on something meaning something, then the more, you know, all of a sudden it means to you and everything changes as opposed to the, you know, 68 other shots you've hit up to that point. <coughs> You know, I've had players to make it. I've had players I've had players over the years. Um they want to know exactly where they are and they want to talk mm -hmm. about it. And that's fine. You, yeah. But we are keeping score. They have an idea. They know they're there. Yeah. You can't ignore the question. So we just address it and talk about it. And then just kind of subtly I just try to help them make sure that they transition back into like the moment. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to just hit this golf shot and I don't overreact to the question, but sometimes they, they don't want to talk about it and you can, maybe there's this avoidance almost and mm -hmm. that's creating pressure. And sometimes it's like, Hey, this is going, you're doing great here. Let's just keep going. And you know, you just kind of keep it, keep it purposeful and keep it thinking in the moment. And, um, they usually respond yeah. really positively to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just like we talked about golf, such an individual sport. That's why like I said, this has been that, sure. you know, that part's been, it's hard. I know it's hard for coaches to answer because it is so specific to the scenario where everyone's not going to be the same and every situation's not going to be the same. It's been as interesting. I think to even hear the coaches, you know, respond to even how they might answer, not even necessarily what they answer, but what things they would think about before they can even answer that question of yeah. hey, what's the scenario, you know, um, all those different things. Cause it's just like you said, it, it's, it's so different. And, and there's so many different ways you would approach it based off of the player, the, the situation and all those kinds of things. So, yeah, no, very for cool. sure. And it, it's very personal. It's, it's very, yes. it's very individual. There's no doubt. Um, yes. yes. But I think if you can, if you're there or you're sensing that your player is, you know, just they're composed mm -hmm. and they're in the moment, they're in a good place. Yeah, yeah. They're in a really good place then. And they got a chance. They, they've got an opportunity and a chance now to execute and, and to pull the shot off, whether it be that four-footer to win or whether it be the approach shot that they need to put in the right spot so that they got a good, you know, they can, you know, yeah. play the hole in from there. Whatever it is, they're in a good place if they're, if they're composed and in the moment. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we, um, wrap this, the, this episode up. Um, like I said, I'm 
got one other follow-up thing for you for a, a little different quick segment that I do, but sure. want to uh, wanna thank you for joining me for this and, and so much good insight and, and just appreciate, you know, your time and, and just, um, you know, just sharing a little bit about your story and, and what got you into coaching and, and how that's, you know, kind of changed over the years and um, give you a chance if there's anything else that you do want to share with anybody. Like I said, we get players, parents, coaches, a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of everything um, or everybody that, that tends to kind of tap in and listen to this. So if you have any last minute words of advice, um, happy to let you share those and then we'll wrap this up and um, let you get back to work. No, I tell you what, I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah. Enjoyed joining you here. Um, kids, when they, uh, when, when players move through the process and families are there to help them, you know, you really have this special situation when whatever they're involved in, it becomes their passion of the players. And when it's, when it's theirs and they own it, um, you can, they can really achieve some really special things. And so um, that's, that's probably what I love more than anything about what I do and working with, working with the students, um, working with our players is just, you see that maturity and when they really start to own it and, uh, they develop that passion or have that passion. I don't know how you can't be energized and feed off of it. So really appreciate the time and the opportunity to be with you. Yeah, well, we appreciate it. And, and I appreciate everybody out there who's listening in and always excited to share, um, share these coaches stories and insight and hope you all are enjoying listening in and I will catch you all in the next episode of tap into college golf. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Tap Into College Golf. For more information, you can visit www.brandyjacksongolf.com. That's Brandy with an I. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at bjacksongolf. See you next time.